0: Clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God for the voice of triumph victory is Jesus. All right, there's a lot of reasons why we needed to do that. It just feels good to worship God, doesn't it? In fact, one more time, let's just do it again. <laughs> so long. Oh my God, I long for that. One day we're going to all meet together like we used to, and we'll continue to meet digitally. Uh, but I don't know. I think the, the church is a very powerful and strong. And um, the Bible says, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto thee. And um, I, love, I love the church. Wave at me if you still love Jesus, all right? I'm so thankful. I don't want you to backslide in this season. Uh, and in fact, I've aimed this whole sermon. This is going to be pretty intense. Uh, We love the word here. Uh, We hold the the word sacred. And uh, a lot of churches do. We're not unique in that way. Uh, But man, we have been digging into the doctrine, the truth. And uh, so this weekend, uh, I was going to speak on hell. And uh, one of the reasons why I was going to do that is because I believe a lot of us have forgotten about eternity and what it's really all about. So I thought, I'm going to speak on hell. And, um, and I still will do that very soon. Uh, but then I thought, no, I, I, what I really want them to do is to have an eternal perspective now. Uh, but I think heaven will be good. Let, let, let's speak on heaven. I mean, know there's a difference between heaven and hell. So then I thought of speaking on both. And so I was all over the place uh, trying to figure out what the Lord wanted me to do. Jesus spoke on hell 33 times. Like, if you would take his ministry, that's almost like once a month he preached on hell. Uh, the reason that's a lie, like, who wants to go to that church, right? I, I grew up in that church. Sunday school teacher preached, hell is hot. You all remember the whole story. But Jesus did it because he, he loved people. So I was thinking, okay, Lord, what is going on inside of me? And I finally settled it. I've entitled this, How to Live Between Now and Eternity. I'm going to say it again, how to live between now and eternity. Uh, how, how many of you, just a quick survey, and you can't get this wrong, so please don't, don't feel uh, like, well, I hope I get this right. Uh, everybody can vote. But how many of you sense that these are the last days? Would you raise your hand? Okay. This is the number one question people are being asked. And um, I don't think any of us would bet our salvation on it. Uh, But man, if you read the word, you can just sense so many things line up. And um, so we, we we know a lot of things about the last days. But let me tell you what's even more important than the last days. And that would be perspective or revelation about eternity. And eternity is in your heart. Uh, but we forget about it if you're if you're agnostic you don't really think much about eternity it's just kind of over when you die if you're an atheist you've settled that like but it, but it's still there. I, I've talked to many people who say I don't even believe there is a God and if you talk to them long enough you, you'll hear things uh, about about eternity in their heart you, you can see it look at this verse it says in Ecclesiastes he has made everything beautiful in its time he has also set eternity in in the human heart. Everybody say eternity. And then it says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. This is similar to Jesus saying, hey, I, no one can fathom the, the place that I, I've built for you. In, my, in, in heaven, there are many rooms, and, uh, and I, I've prepared this place for you. If it wasn't true, I would let you know. Uh, so, so the Lord has is, is spent a lot of time teaching on eternity, The word is very clear, but I'm not going to teach on eternity. I'm just going to teach on that perspective for a second. When I gave my heart to the Lord, uh, for the first 30 days, I was telling everybody about Jesus. I was like an evangelist. But the problem was, is I was terrible at it. No one was getting saved. Everybody was laughing at me. I got saved on a, on a Sunday, and on Monday, uh, there was this Boston. Boston was a band that I used to really like. How many remember Boston? Anybody old enough? The harmony, lead gospel, lead uh, uh, guitar parts, beautiful, good music. So I was going there on Monday night. I gave my heart to the Lord on Sunday. So all of my friends, I called them over on Monday to tell them, hey, let's, let's serve Jesus together. And I thought they were all going to say, great idea. And they all laughed at me. And they went to the Boston concert and smoked pot. So I was like, man, I'm not very good at this. So about six months after that, uh, I felt the Lord stir up my heart to call somebody on the phone to share the gospel with them. And we'll call him Jimmy. And, uh, and Jimmy answered the phone and I stumbled my way through a presentation about the gospel. I was convinced that he wasn't even listening. And he gave his heart to the Lord. That's good, right? But what's even better is, thank you, Dr. Q. God bless you. Did you take a picture of me yet? Okay. And uh, so a few a few hours later, come on, Q, right now. Come on, come on, Q. For those that don't know Q or think that I'm crazy right now, but he is known as the worst photographer in the world. And uh, so that's, he'll go down with that and uh, get him, get him. So anyway, but not all your pictures, Q. Some, some look good. But, um, but, but I, I led this guy to the Lord, and then a few hours later, guys, four or five hours later, he's driving down the road, perfectly healthy, seemingly, and he had a massive heart attack, and he died. When the phone bill came out, we realized that it was just a few hours later, like I just told you, and, um, but I almost didn't call him. So that whole moment has helped me through the years. It's given me strength. Uh, it's made me look at people through the, through the eyes of eternity because I almost didn't call them. I don't know if I'd be over that now. And um, okay, so that's that. But if you, if you fast forward, the people who have the most joy and the most confidence in their faith are people who remember eternity uh, for example, I, I, I was driving down by Virco right here in Conway. And um, I love that I'm not online streaming right now because I could just talk to Q and whoever else. But, uh, but I, was, I, was, I was driving down by, by Virco And uh, across from it, it was a hill down into these, the woods. And uh, it was raining hard. My windows were fogged up. And I was just trying to get home safely. I quickly looked over down this hill and I thought I saw taillights, but I kept going. I thought, no, oh, it must've been a reflection of the lights on my, on my truck. And, and, um, so I just kept going and then it hit me. What if it is somebody? what, if, what if, what if they need me? What if I can pray with them? So I turned around just to look again to see if it was anybody. And it was. It was a vehicle that slipped down through this. That they, they, they did not crash. Uh, they were stuck, though. The man was out, and his kids were stuck in the back seat. So I was able to go down there and help them. He used my phone. We were able to call help, and then I was able to help him in several different ways. And I prayed with him and encouraged him. And it was over. But I almost didn't stop, okay? But we have somebody around here who comes to this campus. His name is Josh. He doesn't like a lot of attention. Uh, But Josh lives differently than that. Josh has tire tools in his trunk right now. And uh, is Josh in this room right now? He's intentionally not in this room. He doesn't want to be known. Uh, There he is. I see you, bro. But Josh, give it up for Josh. I love him. Seriously. He's one of my favorite people. And uh, if you don't like Josh, something is wrong with you spiritually. And, uh, but anyway, Josh is the kind of person that he's, if he's driving down the road and he sees somebody at need, he tries to help them. And he has equipment, just fundamental needs that somebody might have. He just, he, he stirred up to do it. I know it has to do with eternity. Like he knows. I'll tell you why I know. Because he helps them, but before they leave, he says something like this to them. He shares the whole gospel down in one sentence. When he told me this this week, it's like, that's the whole gospel in one sentence. He said, I stopped so you would know that God hasn't forgotten about you. And he, he described to me, didn't you, Josh, that it, their, their countenance, everything changes. And I think it has a lot to do. Uh, with all of a sudden, they're thinking about their soul, their walk, eternity, their relationship with the Lord. I thought he forgot, or whatever it might be. I don't know. There's no way to know. It's always different. But in 2019, the church—and you guys know—I coach a lot of pastors from a lot of different denominations, and I try to help them. And I, you know, I do all I can to train. And uh, but I, I've never seen a year like 2019 in the amount of people giving their hearts to the Lord. It's crazy. And uh, but 2020, we don't see a lot of people giving their heart to Christ. We see a lot of rededications. Uh, but not a lot of people, like Jesus told Nicodemus in the middle of the night, he said, you must be born again. So we see people rededicating, but not a lot of people being born again in, in 2020. Why? Because I think all the distractions, Christians have stopped sharing the truth. Okay? And some people just remember eternity. I'm looking at Ben Gormley over here. He crashed into a motorcycle one time. The guy flipped over his car. Talk about, he probably was mad. And a, a few minutes later, Ben led him to Christ. Only Ben can do that. I can't do that. If I hit you in a, with my car while you're driving a motorcycle, I'm, I'm sure 10 out of 10 times, I'm not leading you to Christ. But some people just are always thinking about the eternity. When you die and you get to heaven there's gonna be two questions that are gonna be asked of you. The first question, and you will not be able to lie and cheat on this test like I did in high school. He's gonna look at you and ask, did you know my son? Did you know Jesus? And they're gonna know because your name is gonna either be written in the Lamb's Book of Life or not. Second question is more related to my topic of today, and that is, what did you do with his name? Okay. We want judgment day to be a good day. Amen. Amen. All right. So people give their heart to the Lord. I've been at this now for 30 years that people give their heart to the Lord for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes people give their heart to the Lord because they're hurt. They're in a lot of pain, maybe divorce, maybe somebody hurt them. Maybe they lost their job. Maybe they're broken. Maybe, they, maybe they're, they're in a financial crisis. It could be related to health. It could be despair. They might be lonely. I'm going to tell you another reason why people give their heart to the Lord. is because they start seeing eternity. And and, and then another reason is because they see the end times and then eternity. Okay? So how many of you have ever heard, I just want you to raise your hand on this. How many of you have ever heard this? This is a book in the Bible. Have you ever heard this? The book of Revelations. Raise your hand if you ever heard of the book of Revelations. Okay, it's kind of a trick question uh, because uh, there is no book called the book of Revelations. Okay, and there, the reason why I tricked you like that is because even sometimes I'll still call it book of Revelations. Well, there, it's very important you understand that's not the name of it because it's not a book about Revelations, plural. It, 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 it is a book about Revelation, but only one Revelation, so I, I think that's huge because the, this this book, and I'm going to go through, I'm going to shock you with some stuff in during the seven years of tribulation because the tribulation is in there, but that's not the revelation. You've got inside of it the antichrist, which we're going to look in 1 Thessalonians 5 today is like when you see the, the foothills like of this, the end times, uh, you, you may not see the antichrist, but but you'll know the spirit of the Antichrist is around, starting to manipulate and move around parts. You can see this. Okay, but that's not the revelation, uh, the, the mark of the beast. Uh, it's it's in, the, in the Bible. It's in the book of Revelation, uh, but it's not, it's not the revelation. You, you can see the seals and the bowls and the trumpets, you, you can see pictures of heaven, you can see a lot of things, but you don't have to wonder what the revelation is, because it's the first six words in the book of Revelation, and here's here's here are the words. It's the revelation, not revelations, it's the revelation, that's how Cajun would say, it. it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Everybody say revelation. So when you read through it, it's it's, it's not about a bunch of things. It's only about one thing. Like the essential is Jesus. Now the Bible even goes so far as to say about the book of Revelation, that if you read it, just reading it, like if you go home, if you don't feel blessed in your life, just go home and read the book of Revelation because the Bible says you will be blessed just by reading it. But it also says you will be cursed if you try to add words to it or take them away. Pretty powerful. In other words, when they, when John on the Isle of Patmos wrote the book of Revelation, he wanted it to be crystal clear on what it was all about. This is what you're here for. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It reminds me of... Last year, LSU was really good in football. Now, hang with me. I know you don't care about LSU, but still, it's a great illustration. Q will like it more than most, Hunter and others than Darren. Uh, but I knew that we were good at football this year, so I never want to be around Bama fans during the LSU-Bama game because they, they always win. They beat us every year, and it just gets old, man. And I don't like Bama, being a Christian and all. And, uh, and so anyway, so this year I knew we were going to win. I don't know why I had this premonition. I just knew. So I invited Bama fans from the church over and throughout the game, one by one, they left. And, uh, but here's what I told them. It was all a setup. I said, Hey, I want you to come to my house, watch the game with me. We're going to make some gumbo and you can come over and eat some gumbo. It's going to be so good. They go, wow, you're a really nice pastor." And I was saying, no, I'm not. (laughs) So they all came over and we're eating gumbo. They think they're there for gumbo, for friendship. Okay? So then later on, when it was clear that LSU was going to win, I just went crazy and said, that's why I have you here to be. It wasn't about gumbo. That's why I have you here. Not about gumbo. That's why. And I even have it on video. This is it. (laughs) Watch this Bama fan. Watch it. Watch his face. (laughs) That's Josh Cooper. I love the guy. All right. So the point is, it wasn't about gumbo. It was just to watch their face. That's why I had them here. When you read the book of Revelation, there's a lot going on. But the main reason why he has you in it is so you can know the revelation. There's a purpose behind it. So let's look at one of the things. Because here's what it is. John the Beloved, uh, he was the one that was closest to Jesus, according to his gospel, John the Beloved. He called himself John the Beloved over and over. He always talked about how I could run faster than Peter. I got to the tomb way before him. Eventually he got there. I'm a fast runner. But, but we think that J- Jesus loved him the most because it did make the cut of the Bible. And if he, Jesus didn't love him the most, then it would have been a lie and Jesus would have destroyed the book. So so that's so that. All right. So we know, we know that he was on this aisle. All all of the, the apostles, the disciples, all of them were martyred. Some of them thrown off top of buildings, some of them crucified upside down, some of them beheaded, one of them shot with arrows. Uh, lots of different things happened to these people, but not John the beloved. John was on the Isle of Patmos, beautiful place. But while he was there, he wrote the book of John because he had an open vision in heaven. And uh, and that's that's all the book of Revelation is about. So so you must know that like if you read the book of Revelation, it gets so crazy, but this will help you. From chapter 4 all the way to chapter 20, it's all about seven years of time. That's it, seven years of time. We'll come back to that. It's called the tribulation. But the first thing that he talks about, he has like this open vision of seeing heaven. He had never been to heaven before, but he's describing it because the Lord allowed him to see inside of heaven. And so the first thing he talks about is Jesus because that's what it's all about. And he describes what it was like when he saw him. He said, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned and I saw I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstand was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his Mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. We know that as a word. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. He's just trying to describe what he saw and what it, you know, just, how, what can he take on earth to describe that? And when I saw him, and remember, he's just having an open vision, but when he saw this picture of him, when I, when I, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, he couldn't even move. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. This is what he often said. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. Okay. All right, guys. Most of the book of Revelation is about seven year period of times called the tribulation. Churches have argued for years. Are we going to be here when the tribulation comes? If not, then those people are called pre-tribs, pre-tribulation. Are we going to leave right in the middle of it all? The Bible doesn't use the word rapture. It's nowhere in the Bible. But the word caught up with him, like we're just gone. We're just with him. It's all over the Bible. So are we pre-trib that we'll be gone before the seven years? Are we mid-trib three and a half years into it and then gone? Because there's some major shifts that happens at three and a half years. Or are we post-tribulation where we believe uh, those seven years happen, and we're still here and then we're gone? So a popular question people ask. Uh, the most popular question people ask when they talk about heaven is, uh, is, is, is my dog going to be there and my cat? And a dog, maybe, cat, no chance. But, but another thing they want to know is, Rick, are you pre-trib or, or whatever? Are you pre-trib? Are you post-trib? Are you mid Well, I'm a pre trib person. It's not an important truth, but I am because in the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, it mentions the church 23 times, but then after that, it doesn't mention the church again until it starts talking about eternity. So, why would it not mention us? We're either irrelevant or not here. And I personally believe that we're not here because no one seems to be praying. People are going through all of this stuff and they're still not repenting over and over. And they would not repent and they would not repent and they would not repent and they would not repent. Would not repent. So during this time, it's gonna be unveiled on who the Antichrist is. Uh, this Antichrist, is, he, he is gonna come and bring peace to races that hate each other, like the Middle East. There's other examples as well. Uh, but he is going to have such a way about him. When he walks into a room, uh, that's the reason why so many people are going to be deceived in those days. Because the Bible says he'll walk with like a false anointing. He'll have incredible ideas to make everybody feel we're one and we're going to change the world together. He'll even convince people to get the mark of the beast and, and on and on it goes. He's going he's to bring peace in the Middle East uh, and, and they're going to love him. He's going to build the temple again back with Old Testament specs. They will be sacrificing animals again. And uh, so he's, he's going to be on a, on a major run. Through the years, people have tried to figure out who is the Antichrist. Even back in the 1500s, they thought it was Martin Luther. And, and, and then through the years, they've thought this pope must be it or that pope. Uh, obviously, a lot of people thought it was Hitler because of how mean he was, evil he was, uh, some have thought Henry Kissinger, uh, although it wasn't because he was mean, it was just that uh, they just felt like that he had all the ingredients. A lot of people thought it was Gorbachev because he had a mark on he had a, a birthmark on his forehead and some people measured it and, and figured it out. It was the measurement somehow of six, 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 whatever. A lot of LSU fans think it's Sabin. Yeah. Uh, uh, but this one lady at Kroger, this one lady at Kroger, she came to me, and I'm kidding about that, so relax, all right? Just relax. Uh, but uh, one lady came up to me at Kroger's. It's not Kroger's, it's Kroger, like the book of Revelation. And, uh, but this lady came up to me and she said, uh, Do you, I know who the Antichrist is. I heard you're a pastor. I know who it is. And I said, Well, please tell. She said, It's, it's Harry Potter. And she was serious. And I, I said, ma'am, Harry Potter's not even real. Oh, yes, he is. So I said, I need to go shopping for some biscuits. I have to leave now. Okay, so in the, in the book of Jeremiah, it, it talks about the four horsemen, prophesied well over a thousand years before Jesus was, before this book was written. And the four horsemen, just to give you an idea of what they are, the first one is the white horse, and uh, which is related to the Antichrist. Revelation 6 says, I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror, bent on conquest." Uh, this, this reflects his, his, his charisma. He's a powerful leader, speaking peace, always speaking peace, like that is his platform. And it's going to feel like peace is happening everywhere. But the Bible says in Matthew there's peace, peace, where there really is no peace, like it's false peace. And then you have the red horse, which is going to represent anarchy and terrorism. And Revelation 6 says, then another horse came out, a fiery red one, and its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. So this one's going to be able to get people to hate each other. Uh, so, so are we in the beginning seasons of some of that? Then the black horse is going to represent economic collapse. And Revelation 6 says, I looked, and there before me was a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's wages and three quarts of barley for a day's wages. In other words, gonna, our, our commodity is going is to be barley. My, my wife used to give my kids barley green. It's so nasty. I told her it tastes like turtle spit. We're going to use that as commodity. Hey, listen, in that chapter, Revelation 6, 1.2 billion people are killed in that one chapter. Uh, you can see when the trumpets start that it gets more intense. The bowls are the worst, but the trumpet, when they start, there's meteor showers, the heat which destroys one-third of the earth's vegetation. There's not one blade of grass left on the planet. One-third of all sea life is killed at once. Then another trumpet with a nuclear explosion, the toxic dust, it renders one-third of all the drinking water undrinkable. Uh, John is describing what he saw because he, he he was 2,000 years ago, so he was describing what he saw in this war. He's like, I saw these huge eagles flying around and fire was coming out of their mouth. And a lot of people believe he was just trying to take a stab of, of what an Apache helicopter or something like that would look like 2,000 years ago. And so if you think the news today is updated, read the book of Revelation. It's telling you what's going to happen tomorrow. Interesting enough, the superpower of the world today is America. There's not even a hint that it's mentioned in the Book of Revelation. There could be a lot of reasons for that. Maybe because we're annihilated and we're no longer can we no longer count. Uh, maybe it's because we join up with a, a, another nation. Uh, if you read the, the Bible, book, I would say Israel. If you're going to join with someone, pick Israel. Maybe it's because, because the Bible says in the last days that he's going to pour out his spirit and revival's going to happen. Like people are going to, like no other time, heaven's going to be populated with souls. Maybe God moves again in America and we all repent and the glory falls and we're all serving him. And so when we're caught up, we all leave. And so America's irrelevant after that. That's what I pick. But all alone, people are begging to die, and they can't. And they will not repent. So, in the book of Thessalonians, it says, when these days start coming, I I just, homework for the week is go and read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That's a homework. Okay, I know it's a negative word, homework, but we haven't had homework in a long time. So let's do it. Here's nine things that you're going to see. I taught this in 2011, and here we go again. Uh, The first thing it says, stay close to your covering. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, people who teach you the word, people who mentor you. It could be somebody in another state somewhere and who admonish you. I'm not reading this because I want you to give me more honor because I'm part of the church. I have plenty of honor. But it's just saying that don't forget your covering. Everybody needs a covering. I do too. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. It's like, listen to me. Some people say to me sometimes, and I'm just challenging you not to, my number one goal is that our church will stay strong in the last days. And sometimes people will say this, it sounds so clever and it sounds accurate, but it's a little bit off. This is what they'll say You can tell what a person is really like when they're all alone and no one is watching. Well, that's true, but this is also true. I know exactly what you're going to do when you're all alone and no one is watching for long enough. And it's not going to be good, including me. So that's why we need a covering. I can't just go and do what I want, talk to who I want, watch what I want, say what I want. I have to be connected, whether it's a location device on my phone where people can see where I am. Uh, But but relationally, to be covered, I don't want to be alone, not in these days. Number two, keep your passion. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid and help the weak. Quick question. Are you more passionate about politics, TikTok, games, hobbies, your work, your team, or your Jesus? Like are you, when you... When you miss worship, like are you more aggravated because football may not happen in the fall or that we may not be able to serve God the way we want to in the fall? Number three, walk in forgiveness. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other. And to everyone else, look, anytime I speak on forgiveness, every time, including with me, this is related to me, not you, I'm not preaching at you, I'm saying us. When someone speaks on forgiveness, I always think about someone who hurt me and how I need to forgive them. But I think there's another angle worth considering. And that is, you need to know that you have hurt some people and that they have to have a biblical move in their heart to forgive you. Meaning, you must remember that you have hurt people. Yes, I know who has hurt me, but the Lord would like for me to remember. Because forgiving other people is easier when you realize the grace that was extended to you from Jesus. Wave at me if you're glad Jesus has forgiven you and given you grace. And he said the same portion of forgiveness that you give to other people. That's what I'll give to you. Number four, keep the joy of the Lord. It says be joyful always. I love to be around people just like in their gut. They have joy. Yeah, everything is weird. Everything is going crazy. How many times have you said crazy in the last few months? Hey, how's it going? Man, it's crazy right now. Yeah. How do you keep joy in craziness with the Lord? Pastor Larry taught us. I'll give you a little tip. He taught us, be thankful in everything you have. You're brushing your teeth. Be thankful you have a toothbrush. Thankful you have teeth. If you don't have teeth, thank God you have something false that looks like a little bit like teeth. Thank the Lord you have have a chair to to sit in when you get home. Thank thank God you you have a dryer to help you dry your clothes if you have one. That you have clothes. Uh, Just being thankful something happens when you decide. I'm just going to be thankful instead of seeing all the things that you don't have yet. Number five, don't slip in your prayer life. So many things going on. What would your life be like if you're a student or a business person, man, woman, married, single, doesn't matter. What if three times a day you just hit your knee and you said, Lord, I need you around here. I got to get back up and go to work, but I just wanted to give some time to you and tell you I love you. You mean a lot to me. Praying continually. Number six, be thankful. Be thankful. While seeking his will. So we're having joy. uh, We're not slipping in our prayer life. Be thankful while seeking his will. It says give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be a thankful person. Uh, Number seven. Don't forget the prophetic word. Uh, It says, "Do not put out the spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. Like when you're looking at the at the word of God, don't just forget about the words of the future. Remember those words. Hold on to your convictions and to your holiness." Thessalonians says in chapter 5, test everything, hold on to what is good, avoid every kind of evil. And in that same thought, it says the next verse in 1 Thessalonians, to may, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at me. There's something about serving the Lord with all your heart and going to bed at night knowing that you put him first. Hey, I'm settled, huh? I'm going to sleep good tonight. No one can look at me and say that I haven't given the Lord my heart. doesn't mean you don't sin, but you just quickly to go to Him, you just want to be tight with Him. And then number nine, keep your calling and purpose on souls. Okay, I'm done. I'm done now. Bow your heads all around this room.